We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the debut episode of the Backliners podcast. I'm going to be your host, Agro, joined, of course, by my co-host, John Barracuda Salter. Uh, Barra, do you ever consider changing your first name to Barracuda so you could be Barracuda Barracuda? It's way too long of a name, and it's an awful name because of the capitalization, so uh, no. Do you, you regret, really, uh... if, you could, if you could go back in time and change your name to something else, do you have something that it would definitely be? Okay, so I had like an edgy name. It was <laughs> Chastise with a one as the I. That was my name. Okay. I, That's edgy, I all right. I think I was like 15 or 16 years old, <laughs> so right after Barracuda, like two or three years after. And um, I was like, you know, it's a cool word. It means to like hurt other people. And I was Very like, cool. yeah, I'm going to not stick with that name. Yeah, that's probably a so, good call. Uh, that is, yeah. That's probably the, uh, the call there. Uh, I mean, apologies, by the way, chat, for my lighting. Uh, my blinds broke in my room, and so it's very difficult for me to uh, be in here without being completely blinded and still be able to see. So hopefully that helps a little bit. But we're gonna do we're gonna do uh, what we can. Oh, you look beautiful. Oh, I can't see you on Discord, but open the stream. Yeah, you can't see me on Discord because I unfortunately do uh, have to be streaming. Well, I don't have, oh. unfortunately, oh, but, you know, you just yeah. can't see me directly, you know, it can, it can only use one. But we want to start off uh, the podcast by kind of explaining, uh, for those of you who, who might not be super familiar with either of us, we are doing this with the Prediction uh, Esports Network. We're super excited to partner with them. They have podcasts 
across a whole bunch of different esports titles. So if you guys are fans of Dota or Rocket League or TFT or the business side of esports, they've got a whole bunch of different things. So make sure you check them out. Uh, Smash as well. I've, I've listened to that podcast a decent amount. Um, but I am a caster for Smite. I used to be a professional player on the Xbox side of things back when that had its own separate league. Uh, Barry, you've been you've been playing Smite professionally for a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been this is year seven for you, basically year eight because of preseason one. Yeah, I think I think my account was made in I think mid 2012, 13. And then I graduated college in 2013, and then I didn't get a job immediately, so then I went pro in video games. <laughs> nice, and the I've backup been doing plan. It ever since. Yeah. And my parents weren't really supportive at first, and then because that was like when esports were kind of like growing, and then I was like, "Hey, I'm making like a hundred bucks on the weekends. Like, <laughs> let's go. Nice." <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been. I think it's treated us both fairly well. Esports have definitely mm-hmm. been a lot of fun, but I, I, we don't have a whole lot of time. We are going to keep these episodes fairly short and easy to digest. Uh, if you aren't watching it live, you can be. We're going to be streaming this at the Prediction Esports Twitch channel, which is just Twitch.tv/PredictionEsports, or you could be listening right now on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything like that. So if you come in a little bit later, you can always catch it and re-listen to it later on. But I want to go over. We just at the very first week of the SPL, which has mm-hmm. been, it's been far too long for, for no SPL play. It's been, it felt like the longest gap ever, because it has been, because of the whole uh, COVID situation. But mm-hmm. E-United Rival was the first game of the season, and this one w- was a lot of fun. E-United win it 2-0, but I don't think a lot of people were really expecting E-United to look that good. I don't know, were you surprised, Barra, like how little hype this United team was getting? Because they seemed like they should be getting really hyped. I think United is a ridiculously good roster. And based off of scrims, I wouldn't say they're hot and cold. I don't know if they're like trolling. Well, they've got they scream. Lose. I mean, they're trolling a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, they beat us and they were like, finally, we have game day Harry. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> yeah. Um, but I think United, they have a ton of potential. I think they're a ridiculously strong team. And I, I think Rival played bad, in my opinion. Um, I think Rival were not playing to their expectations. They look kind of sloppy on the map. Not taking anything away from United, but sure. the Rival that was at Worlds looked way more cohesive, way more together. And I think Rival themselves thought they were going to play way better. And United showed up, and their drafts were sick. I think they played towards what their draft wanted to do, which was just kill Frontline. And then you have Variety playing gods like Sobek, gods like Baron, and just controlling the front line um, of Rival. And PBM really couldn't step up and do anything. And I think when PBM is, I wouldn't say he's on the back foot, but when he's not able to control the team fight, I think that's when Rival is going to falter. Yeah, I think that Rival definitely didn't come away with the comps they really wanted. And and Mm -hmm. identifying that rival really goes where PBM goes, I think is a very smart strategy for a team like United to pick these gods that control frontline really well. But I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that they just didn't look as comfortable. Do you think that's Sam being added in? Do you think that's Twig, you know, not being super comfortable in mid quite yet? I mean, from a team dynamic standpoint, did it look like there was communication breakdowns? What did you see? I just think, I don't want to blame Twig. Cause I think Twig played fine. Like mechanically, yeah. And I feel like he's a very easy scapegoat for, like, I don't want to say, like, 
you're just watching Rival and then Rival's losing. It's like your brain just goes to it's got to be Twig. Like Twig has to be the one messing up. I think it was a team mess up. Um, I just don't think they played very cohesive, which in my opinion was Rival's whole strong suit last year was they were just very strong as a team. It's kind of like uh, Sanguine. Uh, they're just very strong individual players. And then I think their teamwork shines. Uh, and I think Rival's the same way. Um, I think when they're not working together well, I think that's when they're going to lose games like they did at United. Sure. Yeah, I think but that... No, go ahead. To that degree, I do think United can beat Rival if Rival's playing well. And in the same, I guess, note. Sure. Um, I think United is a ridiculously strong team. And I do agree with you that people are just underestimating them completely. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about the top-end teams in the SPL, everyone's kind of talking right now about Rival and, and Radiance mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like United just really isn't getting enough credit. I think that they're nearly a lock to be top four if mm -hmm. they continue to play the way they did this week. Um, I do think it's worth noting, by the way, this, this Ola run mid that Heroin pulled out in game two. <laughs> You probably were like, dude, I wish Roller on mid worked this well when I played it last year. You were trying you were trying to make it work and it wasn't looking quite that good. Yeah, Vin was okay, bro, before I played Olo, Vin was like, dude, Olo's the strongest mid. So all I did that week was spam Olo and play Olo. I come into SPL and there's a Herc literally walking at me on C D and I'm like, Vin, this is not Oh yeah, that no, that was the Vomana games, dude. Oh yeah, you got so Vomana Morrigan Vomana. Like Yeah. <laughs> you got and double like, Vomana on. I built Lotus Crown and just got stomped on. And my team was like, just oh <laughs> just let Barra die. We'll win the fight. Just live as long as you can. And as an Oleron player, you're just like, I can't I can't do anything. My job is to literally survive. And I think I did like 10,000 damage. Like my damage was abysmal. I was just not contributing anything to those games. Yeah, yeah but you know, your average space created was probably pretty good. You know, you were pulling people all the way into the back <laughs> line that time around. It was awful because Jeff was, he was Sylvanas and he built full prots, like full auras trying to keep me alive. And I'm just like, dude, I literally can't do anything. Jeff can't may as game. well have built damage that game and just gone and killed their back line. Honestly, he should have. Like, <laughs> Sylvanas with full damage, if he went blink and just went in immediately, I think would have been better than him staying next to me, healing, which is keeping the Vamana ulting me, and then me just literally running through my ult and then running back through my ult. <laughs> Both ways to try to survive. It I, was. I think I remember a fight by Fire Giant that game where... You had one Vamana ulting, and then Morrigan stunned you, and then transformed into Vamana, and they're both just beating you up right by Fire Giant. And I'm like, bro, nothing you can do. And that brings me to something I wanted to go over here. With the Backliners podcast, I thought this would be a good safe space for us to complain about Frontliners or Assassins and how annoying they are all the time. Like, what are they doing? What, what am I supposed to do against the Kamazots, bro? What am I supposed to do against that? Okay, I think it's just Heartseeker. <laughs> that item is just busted. Okay, before Heartseeker was a thing, you weren't getting absolute one-shot by every assassin in the game. Now you can go, like, rat, build full offense, and they just dive you, and they one-shot you, and you're just like, I can't do anything. Yeah, I remember the good old like, days where Ratatoskr, like, didn't do anything post-15 minutes. Now right? he's, like, still one-shotting you all the way through. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know, man. It's Okay, and now that Sobek's meta, now that you and I have shown that Sobek is meta, they're Sobek's in ranked games, and they're unkillable because hybrid builds are broken, 
because for some reason, one if you go live so boots breastplate into miscellaneous other hybrid items, you're fine as a Sobek. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense because if I go live so boots and I will run. I'll die. <laughs> well, yeah, you're not Sobek on all the run, man. I mean, Sobek doesn't have time dilation either, to be fair. Okay, that's true. Well, I mean, he might as well with his ult and flux and tail whip. He has three different CCs, and he can pluck and then tail whip and then just walk away if he wants. So then in ranked games, people build Shudo Regrowth and just hold W at you. Dude, and... you remember when Sino did the, the Bumba Beck for, like, a whole season, <laughs> and he just ran around with Bumba's mask Sobek in every ranked game, and it was so awful to deal with? Yeah, that's coming back, by the way. No, dude, not yeah. like this. The full yeah, movement yeah. speed builds. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, it's that's not what we're going I played against it in ranked, and it is the worst thing I've ever dealt with. Though Sino is contributing to this my community because I've been a big fan of the Chungle, the Chalk Jungle as of late. Try it out. Full damage. Chalk is terrible as a tank. Great when he one-shots you. It's great. It's a lot I of fun. I don't think I've ever seen that. He plays it. He plays it on stream a little bit. I've been I've been slamming some cues with it. Erendite on chalk, wow, that's that's art right there. <laughs> okay. You one shot them, dude. Wait, is Sino Smurf jungle diff? Uh, yeah, he was streaming on that last night. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I played a ring game earlier. Was he chungling? Sino... No, he was nungling. He was nausea, <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> So he was a part of two kills in 17 minutes. I was just like, this is not Sino. Like, I was just roasting him the whole time. Because I was like, he's not ganking me. He's not doing anything. And he was against Sybil, Kukulkan, Jungle. <laughs> and I was just like, how is Sino not making an impact? Like, Sounds like a banger of a ranked game, dude. And I was just like, this is not Sino. And then my whole chat was like, it's Sino, it's Sino, it's Sino. I'm like, no. I'm just <laughs> no way it could be Sino. By the way, Manda Warrior in chat saying I BM'd his Erendite Chalk. Yeah, he was playing solo lane in a competitive game. Don't pick Chalk and solo ever. Jungle's the only <laughs> viable role for Chalk, and I won't hear anything else about it. With currently no NBA, NHL, MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of sports, esports, events, and games to wagers on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertaining betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit BetOnline website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, we got to move on to the second set on Saturday. That was mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Knights up against Radiance. Game one was the craziest ending I've seen, maybe ever. A base race where the enemy Titan, PK, almost kills the Radiance Titan, but Radiance ends up winning. Their Titan, when they won, 590 HP. That is nutty to be that low in the HP department. And I don't know if you saw, Barra, but all the PK guys just tweeted out a, a video of their comms dur saw that. <laughs> during that point. And I love Zap, and, and no, no, no disrespect to Zap at all, because he makes the right call. He's like, yo, I think yeah. we can win this base race. Let's just go, go all in. But he goes, but knowing the outcome, hearing him say, man, we win this race for sure. You're like, oh, Zap, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> like, but that sucks, man. But th that was such a crazy ending. That is mm -hmm. definitely one of the nuttiest SPL endings that, that I can remember. I, don't, I, I mean, there have been base races before, but I don't think we've ever had one that close. I 
like as a pro, you just go back and you're like, could I have min maxed anything more there? Yep. And when I watched the VOD back, or when I, sh when I watched the clip back, Paul didn't ult immediately. And For I the think, movement speed to get in, maybe? Yeah, and I think if he ulted a little sooner, like, he walked all the way around the rock and then ulted, and I was like, I feel like... like Yeah, maybe if he uses it, and then he just stands on the edge of it, right? Like, the Titan doesn't need yeah. to be in the ult run at all. You should just use it to yeah. speed yourself. Yeah, maybe you're right. But that's yeah. such, like, I mean, it, it's, it's so bad to have to... No, not roasting Paul at all. Yeah, yeah, no. no. No no, misplay no by way. Paul. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was like, Scary ulted it. How much damage does Fatal Strike do on the <laughs> Titan? I saw that. <laughs> he, comes, he comes swinging through like, is that really your best DPS <laughs> at that I, moment? I, does it do more damage than auto attacks? Uh, I think it does a decent amount of damage. Yeah, right? it probably does, right? He's level 20. It probably does. The best part of that, by the way, is Chuck, their coach, coming in and being like, good work, boys, we did it. And they go, we <laughs> lost. <laughs> He's like, oh, really? <laughs> I know yeah, Hindu was... Man, we were calling that game, myself and Hindu Man, and Hindu yeah. was like, I did not want to make a definitive call until I knew for sure who won, because it was like, it was that close. I was just trying to watch the Titan HP bars on the, on the Spectator UI. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was as close as it gets. But Radiance ultimately comes out with the 2-0 mm -hmm. victory. Um, this might be the most successful start to a super team we've ever seen. PK looked pretty good at the beginning last year with that old adapting roster, but fell off fairly quickly after that. Do you think that Radiance has the tools to make this you know, all-star squad different than, than previous iterations that haven't worked in Smite? I think they just need to make sure that they keep their egos in check. Because um, the biggest thing about that team that I've heard is that they have big egos. And so you, when you have those kind of players, you just need to make sure that everyone gets along and everyone's on the same page. And so that, I guess like each argument that they have, it needs to be a productive one. And or each like discussion they have needs to be a productive one. And people need to make sure that they're not just angry because they think they're right. They need to just not have another zero situation, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I mean, it's I hard. Think... It's hard. Like, when you have that many world championships on your roster, mm -hmm. like, they, they have five across all five players. Big Man Ting's the only one without one. Adapting, of course, having two. But, I don't know. I mean, my big thing is, Adapting plays the game so differently than every other jungler mm -hmm. in the league. He, he just wants to play the map very differently. He wants to play team fights very differently. And I think that Ting's can adjust to that pretty well because he might not have that, that ego and, and being set in his ways because he is still, you know, trying to find the, the next echelon uh, in the SPL. But, mm. you know, can Aurora play that style? Because Aurora also has a very different play style than every other support in the league for the most part. Can Benji play that style? That's kind of, pretty much any time Adapting's on a team, that's my biggest question mark is, how well do the other four members, do they buy in to the Adapting system? Because mm -hmm. I feel like Kenneth has a, a straight-up system that he has to play in to feel super comfortable. And honestly, to that point, I feel like all of them have a certain way they like to play the game. I don't know that much about uh, Big Man Ting's, um, like his, I guess, play style or like what he wants to do on the map or like just how he is as a player. But I feel like I know the rest of them because I played against Adapting a lot and I played against everyone else on that team that's from North America a lot. Sure. And I feel like they all want to play the game a certain way, but I feel like right now it's meshing because we've been scrimming them and they are really good. Um, I think when they 
draft a certain way, I feel like that is their way. I'm obviously not going to say anything on stream. Sure. Of course. But I feel like they have a certain play style that we have played against, and I was like, wow. I feel like I can't really do much here. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Go ahead. Yeah, that, I was just going to say, like, when they don't draft their way, I feel like it's kind of easy. Obviously, that's just from scrims. Right. Scrims are a whole different ball game. Um, but, yeah, I feel like they just need to play a certain way that excels with their players. Sure. Fair enough. You've been on a quote-unquote super team before when, when Baskin joined mm-hmm. on the C9. I think that you guys had the, those really lofty expectations at that time. How hard is that to, to have the banner of you guys should be the best team just, just based on paper? It's I think it's player dependent. For me, it was mentally tasking. Because um, each time you would lose or each time you would misplay or you weren't exactly on the same page, people looked at you differently and kind of like judged you differently because, yo, you're supposed to be the best. Like, how could you make that obvious mistake? And so I feel like mentally it got to me a little bit because people were just like, you should just be winning easily. And like when we lost Worlds and things were already going, I wouldn't say bad behind the scenes, but there was like, a lot of private conversations behind the scenes before season two worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, it, people just start like the seams just start tearing apart, I guess is the easiest way to put that. Um, so I, the expectations for them is going to be really high, but I don't think it will affect those players. Um, I don't think it'll affect them at all. Honestly. Yeah. I feel like Cyclone spin doesn't know what anyone thinks about anything. Cause he just doesn't care enough to know, <laughs> you know, like he might, he, yeah. the words might enter his ears and, and then it just like passes through and never enters his brain at all mm-hmm. is kind of what it feels like for that team. So I'm excited to see how they're going to keep on doing, uh, moving on to Sunday sanguine versus obey was the first set of the day. Obey, uh, struggled pretty heavily in this set. Uh, weekend in particular did not have a particularly good day. Uh, <laughs> went killless in their setup against sanguine, but sanguine just, uh, crushed dude i mean this team i'm sure that that you can speak to this as well that i mm-hmm. mean on the inside all we keep hearing about is how nuts sanguine is all the time mm-hmm. about how good they are do you think that they've got like top three top four potential i think they easily have top four potential um i think if teams continue to go into games and underestimate them i think they can take a lot of wins off of really good spl teams because sorry um their team just is so good. Back to the rival talk that we had earlier, their synergy is just insane. The way they want to play the map and just how much farm Shinto was able to get. Like, in their games, Ronnie was MVP, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And I th- don't think anyone realized what he was doing on the map. He carried. I love the way that he was playing game one and game two. He just made so much room and just allowed Shinto to just farm, and Inbound wasn't allowed to play his style, which, I mean, I feel like when you're picking circuit support, I feel like your style is pretty obvious, what you want to do on the map. Yeah, I mean, we've all seen Inbound play. He's trying to run it down, dude. I mean, he's he's trying to get in there, get his hands dirty. And Ronnie completely shut that down. He did not allow Inbound to control the map, and there was one team fight at mid... Solo side mids. I can't remember if it was game one or two, and Shinto just destroyed inbound and uh weekend with his ults uh and it, it just looks so free for them like ronnie baited perfectly got a ton of buttons jumped out shinto comes in late cleans up completely 
because Ronnie is just making space and allowing and just baiting abilities. And I feel like noobs or casual players will just be like, oh my God, Shinto, double ult. That was so sick. But it's just a support player making room and setting up. Yeah. And like he was way under farm, but he was matching inbound and farm, which if you're coming into team fights as a Shington versus Sirket, the Shington's just going to do more if they're tied in farm. Right. And it was just really impressive for me because we were watching the games are really detailed, I guess. Um, and Ronnie was just playing really well, in my opinion. Yeah, game two in particular on the Yamoja. I mean, Yamoja is always going to be under a microscope. This is her first few, you know, mm -hmm. her first week of competitive play in the SPL. Uh, I thought that Radiance did a phenomenal job. The Awilix counterpick idea is so smart, and we haven't seen any of that mm -hmm. at the minor league level, but it basically just makes her never be able to use her three ever in a team fight. And we saw him, him actually, Neil actually messed up one of his teammates by giving them a riptide and then adapting pulled them off of it right away. Wait, did you just go back in time and talked about the second set? Yeah, but I'm getting there, Barry. You gotta let me <laughs> meander, sorry. okay? This is how Chair 2's do it, like, okay, in the casting scene. Don't worry, don't worry. So then, of course, we're gonna watch and see how well that Yamoja does after Neil struggled with it. And especially when Obey tried to do a very similar thing, which is counterpick the Yamoja. They pick Fenrir and Daji to try and punish the fact that she has no CC immunity in the alt. And I mean, those characters kill tanks so well i mean that's the whole idea is that you just murder the tank over and over and over again and rongyu just bought purification beads and <laughs> I, that was it like the game was over as soon as he bought beads it felt like mm -hmm. part of that is in my mind obey not pushing that enough i mean it's like saying okay i'm playing poseidon the enemy mid laner has Aegis. guess i don't ult him this game like mm -hmm. you just got to find a way to bait it out and then punish it but it, it was his positioning plus the beads pickup plus how well that whole team plays around him. I mean, mm -hmm. Sanguine, the thing that stood out to me about not only how they played this weekend, but the PK tournament they won uh, last week, was that as soon as they get a lead, they end the game really fast. Like, mm -hmm. they do not mess around. Yeah. The, their time from tied, 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 okay, we're ahead, it's over five minutes later, they, they hit that accelerator really, really fast. And that's kind of hard to deal with, right, as a player. Like, you lose one fight, you're like, okay, we're down a little bit, and then you get no time to adjust because they're jamming it in your Phoenix, like, two minutes later. They, they don't give you any time to breathe. I think that's kind of like old energy, um, where old energy was just, I think it was like 15 or 20 minutes in the game, tie game, or even like a little bit of a lead, and then you just lose. Like, you take one gold for your fight, and then they get Fire Giant, and then they get all your towers, and you lose. And you're like... What I happened? Died once. Like, how do I? What's happening? Like, I died. We died literally once. We lost one fight. We just lost the game. And I think that just goes back to how cohesively they work. And I think they really respect each other, or whoever shot calls for that team, because they're just always on the same page. And I think when Netroid and Shinto's God pools, I feel like they're just team fight slash carry. I wouldn't say. I mean, that just sounds obvious because they're playing carry roles. Sure, but. Just like the Shablanc, the Hu Yi, the Jingwei, the Netroid plays. I, mean, I would just say like the Hebo Merlin that Shinto plays, or Netroid and then Shinto. Yeah. Um, I just feel like their team comps work, and then they funnel farm into those two players, especially Shinto. Ronnie is just making tons of room, and Pantom and Yarkort are just a beastly frontline. And I yeah. feel like people cannot underestimate this team at all. I can't wait to watch them play more, dude. I think they're yeah. they're a fun team to watch because of that. Mm -hmm. 
acceleration that they can hit in that mid-game. All right, on to your set. Uh, obviously not the result that all the Renegades fans wanted. You guys lose mm-hmm. 2-0 up against a very strong Space Station team. Uh, I saw you talk about it on Twitter, but um, maybe just uh, a couple thoughts on, on how you guys played as a whole and, and where you think that the biggest mistakes you made in that set. <laughs> Maybe just, you know, sit down in the therapist chair. I'm here to talk. You know, I'm, I'm here to help you, Barry. Get your feelings out about this set. Well, I was streaming before this, and Ben kept roasting himself because I don't know if you guys saw it on the uh, on the cast, but up near Blue Buff, uh, he was culking and went to go spit on their back line yeah. and got blinked on by Collie. Didn't beat, didn't old, didn't Agus. Yep. And once the Kali Stone was almost gone, then he Aegis. Then he Aegis, yeah, right away, yeah. Yeah, you guys, like, it it had been so close all game. I don't know if you you went back and listened to the cast, because I got kind of tilted by that, I'm going to be honest. I was kind of losing my gourd a little bit, because you guys are working, like, you guys are slaving for an inch of map pressure. Like, you guys are, you haven't passed the halfway point in 38 minutes at that point. Mm-hmm. And then you finally win one fight. You're about to go and guaranteed get Fire Giant. You have Cuckoo Alt, like, you're good to go. <laughs> and then Ven's like, what if I did 600 damage to their <laughs> mid who has to back anyways? And then does it Relic, and then dies, and then we're resetting again. And I'm like, dude, I just casted a 55-minute game, and now I have to be here even longer. Like, what is going on, dude? That one yeah. was, uh, I was feeling that for sure. I think we kind of messed up our draft as well. Because we were just very, all right, get the objective, run away, run away, run away. Like <laughs> that's just not a great team fight. That's not what we wanted to do, and I think we messed up there. And then we had a lot of individual mistakes. Um, I messed up in lane at level four, level five. Uh, I missed my knockup. I knew it was boots rushing. I still went devos two, and then he rolled in on me, and I missed my knockup. And then he, he had purple pressure. And then that felt really bad because I was like, why did I do this? Why would I knock up there? That was the stupidest thing. Like, in my head, I'm just like, oh, like, why would I do that? And then I double Aegis the Yorm diving me, or double active, sorry, the Yorm that was diving me. And I didn't kill him because I thought he was going to go down through speed buff. And then he tanked the tower and left. And I was like, no, why? (laughs) And then we had a really bad team fight near blue buff. Because we funneled ourselves into a Merlin one, I think it was like all separate games. Or each, I'm just going back and forth in each sure. game. They're all they're all a blur. Yeah, it was like 90 minutes of gameplay. It was a lot. Um, but I don't know. If you remember like when we were diving through the through the blue buff? It was like late game fire giant. We, me and Van had to like tank a, a Merlin void one to get through. Oh and, yeah, when you were trying to because Solo was really deep that fight, right? Yeah, and you were trying to catch up to him. And he ended up jumping out, which was the correct play. And then Jake got Kuzumbo pushed, I think, or Sobek plucked into their back line. And so yeah. our team, and then we Hoombots ulted in the middle, and then I or I Hui ulted on top of the Hoombots ult. So I was, I was like trying to combo their front line. I mean, that was just our draft, obviously. Like, I'm Hui, he's Afro, we're killing front line. Right. Um, like, it was, uh, it was so bad. And then we watched it back, and I was like, what am I doing? And then Cherry carried that fight. Because he, I think he killed Laz, and then he dunked, uh, or he just chased me and Vin down, and we both used double actives, and we died to Cherry. And it was just like, so many things went our way that game, and they made so many mistakes. I think they played really sloppy. Um, 
I think we we played pretty sloppy as well. I think both teams it was just week one. I don't think either team was playing like as well as they should have been. Yeah. Um, one note I do want to make is I think Jake played really well. Agreed. Considering that was his first SPL set. Um, I don't think that the community had very high expectations, but now they've seen him in action. They know that he's a beast. Yep. And we know that he's a beast. And I was expecting, I'll say, a longer transition period um, for Jake into SPL and for his confidence to be up. But I think he played ridiculously well. Yep. Um, obviously, he made a few mistakes. We all made mistakes. We, we made a lot of individual mistakes, and we made a lot of team mistakes. I called the Phoenix push, and neither one of my frontline game two or that tanky, and I didn't take that in consideration. And I got horse blinked on, horse knocked up, I dashed away. And I was just like, why Why did I call that push? There was yeah. three other towers. We had both mid towers up, and they had solo tower up, and Rama didn't have beads, and Kali was dead. And we had one opportunity to push, and we let it slip. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I mean, those are those are the hard ones for sure. I, I, I was also impressed by Jake, and the, and the big thing that stood out to me is that his instincts were good. And I wouldn't have said that after watching him play ranked, for sure. Yeah. But a lot of times he was... There, there was one fight by Gold Fury that really impressed me in his Fafnir game, game one, when he kind of... He, he ran up into the left a little bit, forced mm -hmm. back a frontliner, then turned, hammered Dardes, then immediately turned to make sure you were good, you mm -hmm. were, so then he jumps in, alts, then you were getting dove, so he comes back and hits you with a relic mm -hmm. or something like that. And that's... Those are fast team fights at the SPL level, yeah. far faster than, than uh, ranked or anything like that. And and those are not easy to execute. And and for him to do that, literally game one, um, yeah. definitely impressed me. So obviously not the result, but um, the, the, the steps are there. The building blocks are there mm -hmm. uh, for you guys, for sure. Um, you, I do want to go over uh, in the last few minutes here some of the, some things that some trends we saw that I wanted to ask you about. Um, was there a, a god or a player that kind of stood out to you over the weekend as, as particularly impactful and, and a god or player to look for moving forwards? Ooh. I have one that you can talk there. about, I'm sure. Why, why are we seeing Ho Yi so much? Because Ho Yi didn't get any oh. balance changes, wasn't played like yeah. at all last year. And now all of a sudden is getting top three by multiple teams, both you guys, E United, and Sanguine, all heavily prioritized Hoagie. Why, why is he such uh, such a priority now? Because Dio is his meta, and he can solo farm very easily, and he can also solo kill their ADC very easily if you have vision on support and jungler. So, But aren't all those know, things the same as last year, but he still didn't see play? Uh, Devos. Devos mm -hmm. are insane. Also... You know, I wasn't going to say this, but uh, I didn't know Devo's got a 5% buff. What do you mean you didn't know? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when did you find out? Two days before we played. <laughs> Bro, Para, come no, on. No, no, no. Okay, so I thought it was a 5% on the bottom end, mm -hmm. and then it still went to the same percent. I mm -hmm. thought it just started higher and then went. Because I think when I was watching patch notes, I was like, oh, like, they just helped out the bottom. And so right when you buy Devos, it's better. True. I didn't know it was a flat 5%. And then, because 29% lifesteal is ridiculous. And then, That's a lot. <laughs> I hadn't played, like, a Huyi game. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, Devos are broken. Huyi is good at killing tanks. 
And uh, he just checks a lot of boxes that you need in ADC. And I think he's safe enough to play in dual lane, and he just farms the Alphar. Oh, that's another thing. Alphar mm. wasn't last year, so Alphar be this year, obviously. That's a good point. Uh, he can solo it very easily. There's like 14 different triple bounces in that spot. Um, and then you can also triple bounce your pro buff, obviously. You can triple bounce oracles in an awkward spot. But basically, he just cleans up the map really easily. And then he also has a lot of lane pressure. I couldn't put out pressure. I think it was game one. We never had deep wards, and I kept asking where the Thor was. There was one segment of that game. Sorry to like get off top. No, not at all. But we didn't see Thor for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you and check was, your own back harpies? Because it is Cherio. That's where you got to be looking for him. I think we actually eventually saw him on solo side back harpies. Yep, that's where he's and gonna I was be. Because like, uh, I, I was hooting a Merlin, and I was just like, okay. If I see Thor and I see their support, I'm going to all in. Like, that's right. obvious. And I did not get that opportunity. And I was, because he was stepping up, clearing the wave and running away. And I was just like, I'm letting a Merlin free farm. And this feels awful. But I'm also wearing Devo gloves. So, like, I don't feel that bad, you know? Yeah, you're scaling. I'm, okay. Oh, I did yeah, want to exactly. ask you, by the way, about the lane swap that happened game number two. Vote went over to Solo and mm. you matched that. Um, was it Vogue that went over there first? And, and what is that yeah. conversation like on, on why you think he did that and what you guys have to do to play around it? I think we saw Yorm. I don't know which one happened first. I don't know if we saw Yorm or Rama first. Um, but basically, in the game, we were a little confused by it because we didn't. We thought maybe we saw Yorm and then we thought they were rushing gold and they were rushing gold. So I was like, I'm going to fly over Soul. So I'm not sure exactly the sequence of events, but I was just going to match the Rama. And then sure. there was one... We, we played the map pretty sloppily after that, unfortunately. I think we were trying to match the rotations too much instead of, like... We were just very reactive. We weren't... We were letting them set the pace in that... It was, like, a minute or two, two and a half minutes-ish. Because they were, like, leashing pyros or leashing golds, and we were like, reacting to them. I don't think we should have been reacting at that point in the game. Um, there was one point we misplayed pretty hard around Gold Fury... I pushed Solo Wave right when it met, and I was backing and rotating over to Gold because I told my team we were going to force Gold because Rama could never be there. Yorm mm -hmm. um, was already obviously there because um, he was in dual lane, and we just messed up our engage. Also, our engage wasn't... It was kind of scripted. I think we were like select tier, so it was like very single target, very, yes. hey, you hear a blink. <laughs> You're going to get hit by something. Yeah, there's two single target CCs that are coming your way, or like one, obviously, it's like, whatever's in your head, like, I have to beat. Sure. Um, and we just messed up our, I can't remember who it was on, it was like two different targets, so we messed it up on both, and I was like awkwardly backing a red buff, and I was like, I'll fly back to solo side, and they leashed Pyro, so like, I'm reacting to the Rama wave that he pushed, and we just didn't play it well, I don't think we reacted well, uh, we reacted fine in comms. And we were like confused, or we were a little confused by it, where we were like, hey guys, what's happening here? <laughs> it was just like, why are they doing this? I'm going to fly over here. And then we let a lot of waves go into Duo Tower, which obviously I think Solo was over there. And Solo was like, after the game, was like, yeah, I shouldn't have rotated mid. Like, that was just bad by me. Yeah. Um, I think they did it because he didn't have beads for like over, like, over 100 seconds. And mm -hmm. I assume they thought you were just going to zone him because you can just all-in him pretty easily from that point. And maybe in solo lane, like, the towers are close enough that you don't have as much room to, to zone him effectively. Well, at that point, our solo tower was dead. Yes. So 
He would have had the. I mean, I could have held the wave on tower, but I don't want to do that because both objectives were up. Like gold and right. fire were both up. And you want to force a fight because he doesn't have beads, so you want to pull mm -hmm. him to an objective fight at that point for okay. sure. Makes sense. And I was like, I can finish Xy, and then we can force a fight, and we can do something productive on the map. But we just we reacted poorly. I don't think it'll, we'll react poorly again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, also, is there any reason now with the Devourer's Gauntlet's buff to build Bloodforge first item? I'm still seeing some some players in ranked and that kind of stuff. Sometimes SCC uh, build mm -hmm. the Bloodforge instead of Devos. Is there a situation where you'd go Bloodforge first? I think if you're just looking for an all-in within the next two or three minutes, or you already have map pressure and you're 400, 500 gold up, and you can just buy Bloodforge on the spot. Like, say you're invading Duocide and you don't want like. You want to guarantee the fights. Like, you can go Devos because you're ahead and, like, 500 gold ahead. You can just buy Devos, go Health Pot, Double Wars, or whatever, and not go Blood Forge and just be like, we're already ahead. I'll just stack. going to leverage you. Yeah, exactly. And I think Blood Forge is just the ultra guarantee of, hey, I'm on her. I'm jumping on you. Respect me. I'm invading your purple buff. Gotcha. Um, I think that's really the only opportunity. Unless you're just banking on RNG last hits in a team fight, which... Uh, hey, man, I, like, last hits are not pure RNG. Some players are better at getting last hits than others. Like, if I'm Baskin, I'm building Bloodforge every game because he can show up 10 seconds late to a gank and he's getting that last hit every time. Okay, okay, you're not wrong. I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> if you're just sitting behind a Kuma that's in passive and your teammates are just like, ha, ha, and then you just slide one in there right at the end. Bloodforge is way better. If you're playing against Kumbakarna, Bloodforge is the call. Uh, before we end, end the podcast, uh, I will take, I want to let the viewers have a chance to uh, give us a question in chat or something like that. Uh, take this time to remind you guys that Prediction has a whole lot of different uh, shows on their channel. So when you're subscribing to them, make sure to follow this Twitch channel so you know when we're going live. But they've got a ton of other really good podcasts that you should check out as well. I believe the, the episode, the weekly Dota uh, podcast coming on right after us at seven o'clock today so uh, make sure you stick around for that give them a follow and follow us on apple podcasts and spotify uh prediction is the place to go for all that kind of stuff um mando i knew it was, i knew i was gonna get them in troll right away uh why is sybil the worst support you've ever seen barracuda i know uh i know sybil i mean he's he's been in your brain for a while as a support player <laughs> Yeah, okay, I go through love-hate, like, cycles with Sybil. Like, sometimes I will love Kuma Sybil. I'll be like, I'll wake up in the morning and be like, if I could just have Sybil in my game and he just plays Erlong, it'll be a good day. And then he plays Mercury, builds Falaf, and solos my wave, and I'm just like, why are you doing this to me? Well, like, it sounds like he's keeping you on your toes, you know? <laughs> I thought we were friends. Like, why are you doing this? And, yeah. So, I, I, I actually like Sybil a lot. All, all trolling aside, I love Sybil. He's a good man. Uh, this is a good question from Blitz. Any up-and-coming ranked players impressed you recently? Anyone that's not uh, in the competitive scene, so to speak? Uh, I've played a lot against In My Zen and Guy J. Um, Dude, Guy J has been popping, man. Dude, he is a beast. Like, okay. He's nuts. I'm actually the reason he got picked up, apparently, on a team, because he sold me on stream. He all in me as, as Hachi, and it was kind of like a really clean all-in. And I remember being in the game, being like, wow, that was like something I would do. And like, right when I thought that thought, I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> He's awoken. 
Barra Jr. has finally arrived. Because I would actually watch back enemy ADCs against my Hachi, and they would die in situations that I didn't think that they were going to die in. But as the Hachi player, like, I know my damage values, I know my damage potential, I, I'm going to all in here, and it's going to be the correct play. And he did that to me on stream, and I was like, dear God, that was a sick play. Like, I didn't expect that. And I complimented him, like, the rest of the game, because I was like, that was just a sick play. And he actually, I picked up, I think it was on Klau's team, which kind of sounds funny that was Klau. I think yeah. it was Klau. I think he's, on, he's been playing with Layers recently, right? Layers and Baronic? Yeah, I think that's his current team. Yeah, that team's good, man. I think they just won uh, the Smite Open Circuit last mm -hmm. week or something like that, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue to have some some good success. Were you casting his Shablonk play? Yes, dude, that was nuts! Yeah, that was Aussie passive, I think, to the max. I think he had Aussie. I'm pretty sure he had Aussie. Yeah, and he did. I was just like, wow. That was a machine. But he like, hit everything, bro. Like, he, yeah. he hit everything. That dude's a beast. Watch out for Guy J for sure, and in my zen as well. 100%. Give him a shout out. Um, all right, guys, that's all the time we have for, for this episode of the Backliners. Please give us your feedback on, on what kind of stuff you want to see. I don't think we're going to go over every single SPL game every week on the mm -hmm. show, but maybe just some standout ones. We'll talk about Barra's game every week and, and how they're crushing the competition, how they're winning every yeah, yeah. game, how they're <laughs> no one's got a shot, and they're all pathetic chumps in comparison. <laughs> Um, but we're very open to ideas on what you want to do. But I think we are going to be, we're talking about not doing it in this time slot necessarily. I'll tweet out when we know for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think post SPL on Sundays is most likely the, uh, the landing spot for this going forward. So just make sure you're keeping up with us on Twitter and at prediction on Twitter as well. Make sure you give them a follow, but, uh, we'll see you next time here on the backliners. Thanks for watching slash listening. Give us a rating too. And it better be good <laughs> or else bear is not going to stream anymore. That's the threat. I, yeah. I already haven't streamed in two weeks. I'll make it a month. Perfect. You better give us good <laughs> reviews. Thanks for watching, everybody. Bye. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.